Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents The Process. Welcome back to your home for football and fantasy football where we learn, scout, win, and repeat. Time to continue the process. What's up, y'all? I'm your host. You know. It's Ralph. Ralph Lark. And uh, I'm glad you guys could join me today. This is a really quick episode. Knee deep in week one uh, info for you guys, getting things updated on the website, getting things ready for the podcast that's going to be released for you tomorrow. And not quite there yet, but as promised, we're going to do this DFS primer, this daily fantasy football primer, so that we are ready for week one. I don't want you guys going in blindly and just throwing your money at these websites like so many people do. So what we're going to do is talk about an easier strategy for victory. Now, before we get into that, let me tell you where to find us. You can find us in a couple of different places. Um, www.tigerbombsae.com. The website is the easiest way to find us. You can click on the process page, see the podcast right there. Boom. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Process TBSAE is how you would search for us or either one of those social media sites at The Process TBSAE. Now, if you want, you can email us here, um, The Process at TigerBombSAE.com. If you got something you need to ask, some scenario with your team, some segment you want to hear, why don't you get at me? Now, also, you can listen to The Process on Pretty much whatever app that you listen to podcasts on. So Spotify, you know, the iTunes podcast, um, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, iHeartRadio. All you got to do is search by the company name, Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. Use the whole name just like that and it'll pop up. Now, I said those two last purposely because that's going to be the only way that you can find the DFS Primer. It's not going on the website. I can't put it up there because really by the time most of you hear this, um, the website, I'm going to start taking down the preseason stuff so that we can get ready for regular season format for tomorrow. So that's why you're not going to be able to see it. I'm not posting it on the Facebook page or the, you know, um, no, you know what? We'll do it on Facebook and we'll do it on Twitter. All right, we'll do it that way, but you just won't be able to find it on the website because we don't want too many things going on at once there. So, all right, that's all the important stuff. So let's just get down to the business at hand, which is uh, the daily fantasy football uh, outlook. Okay, so let's get down the brass tacks here. So first of all, let's set up our rules. And I know for some, this is going to be review, but for a lot, it's not. You may need this, you may not need this, but this podcast is here for a lot of people that are going to start playing um, DFS football for the first time this year. You may be thinking about something like as simple as how much money to start with, right? Um, Decide on a budget for yourself and stick to that. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first of all, set up your rules. You got to know which sites you want to play on or if you're going to play on both. 
Does I wonder if everybody knows the difference between the two sites. Biggest difference is DraftKings is full point PPR and FanDuel is half point PPR, right? So I know to a lot of people it's, oh, it's just this one or that one. But no, there's an actual difference. So it plays a little differently. Um, the formats are a little differently in terms of composition of what, you know, is a complete team. So first of all, decide where you want to play and you want to have consistency. That's what winning and DFS football is all about consistency. So decide where you're playing and stick to your guns. The second thing in terms of setting up your rules that you should remember is what I just talked about. We want to set up some financial boundaries. How much money for the season do you want to play? How much per week do you want to play? And and stick to that. I've mentioned last season and we're going to mention again this season that and you'll understand what these terms are, but for right now, just get this ratio. Cash games to GPP or tournament games, you want a 70 to 30% split uh, in terms of how you invest. So 70% of your money should be going to the cash games, those uh, 50-50s and those double ups. And then 30% is to the GPPs, the tournaments, the, the one where if you pop off, you win so much. And... The last tip in terms of setting your rules for yourself is to uh, is just something I want to remind you guys. Plan to take out money when you win, even if it's a little bit. You want to get you want to get yourself familiar and have it normalized that you're gonna win and remove money, not just put money in. You know what I mean? So you guys really need to focus on planning to take money out when you win, because we're gonna have amounts that you'll be able to take something out. You're not. If you've been winning, if you've been that dude that's with like five, six dollars and say you play DraftKings, like, no, you're not playing. But you will be playing. You will be playing from now on. Okay, so let's keep moving. Cash games versus GPP games. What's a cash game? Um, so these are the contests where half, more or less, like, okay, so it's easier to make money in the cash game than it is a GPP. As I said, the cash game is like something like a 50-50 where that means half or you know 50% of the entries will be paid out. Yeah. Or a double up where there's a cutoff that's around half and if you're in that cutoff then your money doubles up. Now the GPP is the other type. That's a tournament. That's where Maybe it's like, you know, a field of 5,000 people and 30 people place, right? So uh, first place through 30th place wins some money, right? But all those other people don't win squat, right? Or 100 people and the top five win, right? Or the millionaire maker contest that they have, right? They, have, they place quite a few different places and the amounts go down. But the gist is the GPPs tend to be... Um, you know, it's like a tournament, right? And there and there's larger amounts. You're trying to win for larger amounts, so it's harder, and you have to be different to win a GPP, right? You have to be so different because when you think about it, so the millionaire maker, there's like two hundred thousand entrants, right? We use the same analogy as we used last year. Like think about a scenario where you're around two hundred thousand people. Like two hundred thousand people, like um, you know, think about a scenario where you're around that many people. Stadiums and arenas don't hold that many people. So you're talking about four, five, six stadiums worth of people. 
Um, more than that. Now, you're talking about college stadiums? Okay. We could say two stadiums, two, three stadiums, right? But here's the point. You're saying that you're going to win the million dollars over all those people. It becomes less likely the more injuries, right? And the person that does win usually has a very odd-looking lineup to where when you reverse engineer it, you're like, I would have never came to this conclusion right here in terms of using these players, right? Um, Winning GPPs is all about being different. I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. It's all about having contrarian players. Now, the myth is you got to be crazy different. You don't have to be crazy different. You seem to be contrarian. And typically, you could do that with like two plays for the, for the most part. The rest of the plays can kind of be a little safer. Um, now, the, the more entries, the more excuse, right? The more you're going to have to, the more players, the amount of players it's going to take to be different. So GPPs are harder if you're not getting that, and cash games are easier because if I only have to, you know, if I only have to be half of you to cash, then that should be pretty easy, right? If there's 200 people in the contest and you only have to be better than 100 people to bring back your money, to double up your money, I would feel pretty good about that. So those are easier contests, which is why we want to invest more in those. Now, we're going to talk about something called stacking. But right now, we're going to answer the question of which do you stack? Cash games. You can, but you don't have to. You really don't have to. My, my ultimate suggestion is in cash games, if you feel like, if we know that the offense in all, in total, is going to click and you want maximum exposure to the offense, you could stack a QB and a running back from that offense um, just to try to get yourself some exposure to all the touchdowns, Right. But for cash games, mostly what you want is safe, right? Think about it. It's, you want the safe plays. You want the, the guaranteed plays of the week. Um, half of you are going to get it right. Half of you are going to get it wrong. You're just trying to be in the half that gets it right. So all you got to do is pick the guy. Like we all know, you know, and, and the cash games have a little chalk in it, right? The chalk is a term that we use to refer to the players that we know are going to be popular, maybe based off circumstance or just popularity, but there are certain players that we just know are going to be popular, and those are what we would call the chalk. So um, cash games usually have a little more chalk in them because those are safer plays. GPPs, you're not going to win with chalk in those. Cash games, you can just pick the best plays. So if you think about it, there's no like the chances of you having players from the same team are diminished, right? Because if you're picking the best possible plays from the week, um, it's not always going to be dudes from the same team. That stands to reason. But with GPPs, you do want to stack. That's where you stack. You want to stack because you want to invest in an offense that is going to win, right? You want to have multiple pieces of that. You want to connect the quarterback with the wide receiver. We talked about the quarterback, the running back. There's other stacks too. We'll talk about all that. But what you're trying to do is capitalize. Um, and this is how you get contrarian. And this is how you beat everybody else, right? You suspect this offense is going to go off, so you stack those players. Um, and typically, we're looking for non-popular stacks, right? We don't want those, um, you know, chalky stacks. So we're looking for stacks that may not be as um, appealing at first glance or stacks that may be going overlooked, right? Those are good tournament stacks. And um, that's how you win, right? That team that nobody suspected goes off, you know, for 40 points. And boom, you had their quarterback. 
the wide receiver one, the wide receiver two, or you had their quarterback and their tight end one, and it worked out for you, right? So just some things to think about and when you stack and why you stack. Now, the next thing I want you to think about is picking contest types. Single entry is what I want you guys to focus on. We don't need to be picking multiple entry contests. Multi-entry is how you get beat. If When you see that M and a number next to it, um, and it says like multiplier, that the number is the number of maximum entries one person can have. So, yeah, I know you guys have seen contests where it's like M150. Yes, that means one person can put in 150 contests. That means that one person, probably a stockbroker, has an algorithm and they just go ahead and they're just going to put in the top 150 lineups from the algorithm. You don't stand the chance when they play like that. That's why you need the process. We're trying to cut through the red tape to give you the best look for the little bit of money you're going to spend. But a part of the way you win is by avoiding people like that. So we're not going to play multiplier games. You need single entry contests. Everybody gets one bullet, right? That's the... We try to take unfair environments and make them fair. So that's the first start. Everybody gets one bullet. So single entry. The next thing you want to do is for GPPs, stick to a smallish field, right? So we talked about the perils of the large field. Get it down. We need to be in that 100 range. That's what we want. About 100 people is a good GPP. That's a suggestion I got from one of the people that I consider to be like should be one more respected people in like the daily fantasy industry. And it's Jeff Manns. They have a site called Guru Elite. Um, he has good information. But I listened to him for a long time. And he really um, kind of drove home logically for me this whole process of the hunt, like that hundred. That's where I came up with that number. So I give him all credit for that. Um, for cash games, again, minimum like a hundred. But also you could do large field GPPs too, or I'm sorry, large field cash games too, because here's why. If the cash game is successful, that means that you successfully picked the popular but successful plays of the week. Does that make sense? So the plays that we were kind of popular on, but they worked out and you had them picked right, right? So that's going to be the scenario the more people you add to cash games, so like if you do a double up, that's like 800 people. We want the extra people because um, I know that I'm going to be better than half of you people, right? So if there's 10 people in the contest, I don't know who these 10 people are. I could be facing 10 sharks, right? 10 people that are better than me. I could get upset. Maybe I'm not a part of the double up, so I don't cash, right? But I'm so supremely confident in my knowledge that the more and more people that you add to the contest, the easier it is going to be for me to regress to being on the top half of the contest. I hope that makes sense to everybody because it's really important to understand why it doesn't matter about how large the cash game is. The larger the number the cash game entries go, the better your chances of being in the top half if you got the right stuff, if you're not just jerking around with your info and you know we got that part covered. So that's why we don't care about that, okay? That's a new part of what we're adding this year. So I'm going to green light those larger ones just for the cash games, okay? We got to get more specific. Things are changing. 
Times are evolving. Nothing stands still. We got to keep going too. We can't stand still. So it's incumbent to not repeat the same crap to you guys every year, but come at it with something new, something virtuous, something different. Let's swerve when they zag or whatever saying you want to use, but we're going to win now. Not like in two weeks, not like a little bit, right? Like we're going to win. Now stacking. This is taking like this turn. Look, we got to get into it because some of you don't know. Some of you do. Bear with me. This is a reminder. And you're going to need to know this like the back of your hand. Stacking is simply taking advantage of correlations, right? There are correlations because it's a team sport. Correlations can be positive. Correlations can be negative. Here are the correlations that we care about for DFS, for football. The QB plus the wide receiver one, that's a correlation. The QB plus the running back one. The QB plus the wide receiver. Oh, so let me say something about the QB plus the running back one. This lends itself to overall better offensive production, like I said before, because you expose yourself to more facets of getting all the touchdowns, right? But if you're just thinking about the passing game, then obviously the QB to wide receiver one is better, right? Here's some other correlations I want you to think about, because remember, correlations can be positive and negative. Uh, But here's some more good positive ones. Your QB, QB1 to opposing QB on sites where you could play with two QBs. So you know that um, we'll talk about the chances of that opposing QB going off if if your QB goes off. And another correlation I want you to think about that's positive is your QB to an opposing wide receiver. Because that's something we could take advantage of on DFS and FanDuel. Both. Um, so again, your QB to an opposing wide receiver one. An opposing wide receiver one. That's important. And the last correlation that I want you to think about, um, positive running back plus your defense. So the same running back and defense. Now, um, that one is not something that I want you to be like seeking out because the like the payoff is so minimal compared to these other correlations. And it's not like this stack and this stack in the same lineup. You do one type of stacking. So I don't think that that's important enough in terms of return on your investment to be thinking of. But I mention it because if you're in a scenario where you like a running back and you notice that you also like his defense that week, um, you know what I mean? Like you can kind you can think about doing it like that right like this is one more thing to think about and you may want to pair those up in that scenario if you keep coming across it right so just some a new way to attack this now how can we use negative correlations right so qb to opposing defense is the easiest one easiest i want to go over easy concepts to keep you on track right and then we progress to something a little harder but you get it right so qb to opposing defense you get a contrarian Listen to this. I want, I want you guys to think about getting contrarian by picking the defense against a, a, a very popular QB. So a chalk QB, we want to think about playing the defense against him, right? You can win if that QB has a bad game. Um, you know what I mean? So, And it works the opposite way, too, in terms of targeting a defense that everybody's high on for the week. You can go ahead and pick the QB against him to get contrarian i'm just trying to give you guys because i'm using this term contrarian to describe how to build 
a GPP lineup. So I want you to understand that there's lots of different ways to get contrarian. It's not just by looking at a name and going, oh, he's a third wide receiver. That's contrarian. No, what I'm saying is these are equally other ways to get contrarian. So something to think about, right? You're just hedging everybody else, leveraging yourself versus the field. That's the large part of success in DFS. You have to leverage the field. You have to leverage the field all the time. It's the easiest way to make money because you're not just playing for success on the, on the field every Sunday. You're playing everybody else. These are contests against other humans on the site. So we have to leverage the plays. We don't have to get them right so much as we have to leverage them. Yes, we have to get them right, but it's really more about that. Now, the strongest positive correlation, so you guys know if you don't, is QB to wide receiver one, to his wide receiver one. Um, and it's the most common stack used as well, too. So when we talk about being contrarian for a GPP tournament, you want to keep in mind, you know, this is another way to get contrarian to go away from that, right? But it's a considerably stronger pairing when you look at past season of success, right? Um, versus QB to wide receiver two and any other pairings too. It just holds up as traditionally the strongest pairing. The second best stack tied is QB to wide receiver two or QB to tight end one. Okay. So when we just look at empirical success over like the past five years, that's what we're talking about, right? Like that's the measurement that we're talking about here. We're just going over um, what has worked and what did the composition look like? Because this is known information at this point, right? So we can go and reverse engineer it. This is how we know that those are all second best to QB to his wide receiver one, but they're all equal in being second best in terms of um, QB to wide receiver two and QB to tight end one. Now, when creating stacks, you want to get exposure to opposing wide receivers and tight ends, right? So... Because if you think your quarterback's going to go off, then won't the other team have to try to put up some firepower to match him, right? So you got to think about um, getting different that way, please. The running back plus defense stack is not nearly as fruitful as the others. I mentioned that before. I just wrote it here, so I'm going to say it again. Don't seek it out, but just be aware of it if the opportunity presents itself. I was so excited to tell you guys earlier. I just flew off the handle and mentioned it because I knew I literally just said word for word what I wrote before because it's so important. So I think you guys are going to remember it now. I just dribbled it like two times. So um, the QB to wide, one, wide receiver one stack goes off more often than any of the others. And when a QB has a 25 point game, there's a 61% chance the opposing QB will too. Okay. And a 25% chance the opposing wide receiver one will go for 25 plus also. So those are some things I want you to think about. Some, some, some proof as to why you should be doing some of these stacks. When the QB goes for um, 25 plus, the next likely player with 25 plus is his wide receiver one. That's what I want you to remember. After that though, the next two likely players are the opposing wide res- their opposing QB and the opposing wide receiver one, right? So if you think that your guy is going to go off and you think that your wide receiver is going to go off, okay, the next likely people, you can't, so on DraftKings, I can't play that opposing QB. I can only play my QB, but I can play that opposing wide receiver, can I? So now 
I have my second wide receiver. Do you see how a team starts to build itself? If you apply the rules, it makes itself up for you and the answers are correct. It's just like in school when you go look at it and you're like, oh, this, this. And before you know it, you're done. It just, you know, when it's correct. If you haven't been getting that feeling, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we're going to correct that. All right. Now, three man stacks. If you set the threshold of each player getting 25 plus as them popping off, right? Then a three-man stack, you're talking about 75 points for it to be successful. There's only a 7.8% chance that your stack goes for this 75 points. That's not a lot. I don't like the three-man stacks. Don't want to do it. Three and four-man stacks are not advisable frequently is what I'm getting at. When they do go off, though, generally, just so you guys know, the stacks were Vegas favorites. So don't ever, do not ever set a three or four-man stack from an underdog team. That's probably not going to pay off. And again, just giving you guys the rules so you can avoid which picks. This is how you decide when you are high on two players and you don't know which one. Stuff like that. Now, getting down to the end here. Stacks of all kind are more likely to hit when a team is a favorite. um, With a team total of at least 24 points. Let me say that again. Stacks of all kind are more likely to hit when a team is a favorite with a team total of at least 24 points. So again, when you're looking at over-unders and team totals and things like that, I'm trying to give you scenarios to avoid. This is how you eliminate bad scenarios. Do lots of head-to-heads with unique challengers. On these websites, DraftKings, FanDuel, you could do head-to-head contests. This is another key to success. You want to do as many of them with as many different uh, people that are out there as possible. Because again, remember, if we feel like that we are better than half the people that play on these sites, which we are, then the more of them we play, the, the easier it's going to be to regress to the mean of being in the top half. So we want to each Sunday play more and more of these. In cash games, take the free square every time. This is like um, when a player goes down and his backup is going to start, but only the salaries have already been set for the week because they set them pretty early in the week. So now maybe that backup is like um, um, underpriced, right? $3,100 or something like that, where the starter was like 7000 or something like that. This could be like the whole case of like, let's just say, um, you know, Le'Veon, like let's just say Zeke didn't sign the deal and Pollard was going to play. Um, or, and... and no, no, no. Let's do it like this. Let's say, right, Zeke's supposed to play, right? Now, let's say we find out immediately, right, ASAP, that something happened to him, hurt his ankle. He's not going to play. Pollard's going to play. Pollard's salary is so much lower than his. And some people would say, well, we got to play him. That's why we got to play him. Other people would say, yeah, but he's going to be too popular. I don't want to do it if everybody's going to do it now because of what we talked about, being contrarian, right? Well, look, in cash games, it doesn't hurt you to play him. You got to play him. It's a free square. It costs too much not to because if he goes off and you don't have him, too many people are going to have him to where it's going to be hard for you to make up that ground. But if he doesn't hurt, um, but it doesn't hurt you if he fails because so many people had him. So a lot of other people probably too had him fail. So it just becomes a contest of 10 players, not 11 now. So that's why you take the free square each and every time.
Um, late game swap. This is important. So once the contest starts, if you have players whose games haven't started yet, right? So if it's the morning contest, you can still swap out afternoon players, right? Okay, so if the first part of your team didn't do so well, move off of your popular guys. Now, why would I say that? Because if, you, if your guys didn't do so well in the first half, that means you're behind now, right? So that means you need to catch up ground. That means you cannot be in the middle of the pack. You can't be average. You got to leapfrog players. So you can't be picking people that other people are going to pick because you're just going with the popular kids. You got to go contrarian and get ahead of them. So you can always do late swap, take out some of those popular guys, put in some more contrarian guys. If your low on stack explodes early, you can late swap much more sure players. You can go with the crowd later, right? Like let's say you had some weird guys in your lineup and they all popped off early and you got five players left where you can go, you know, set something that's a little more chalkier because you can take away the variance that it won't work because you already got the hard part right. You know, that's the best scenario right there. It's a perfect scenario if you could have that happen. All right, guys, those are the tips that we have for you for the DFS primer. That's everything I want you guys to remember. Listen to this thing again if you have to, but you got to be thinking about those things as you begin to look at these contests and begin to fill in your lineups. All right, now go, 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 go and deposit and go fill in your contest before you make your lineups, not after, before. Thanks again for joining me. Really glad that you guys came along for the ride for this episode. Remember, it's not going to be on the website, but you can catch it in the app. We're going to put it on Facebook. We're going to put it on Twitter. Um, And just remember, guys, this is always your home to learn, scout, win, and repeat. Until next time, peace. The process is brought to you by Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment, LLC.